Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. Good morning, Horizon West family. I'm so glad to be with you again. I want to say thank you to Pastor Chris Ogden for this incredible chance to come to you with the word this morning again. And since it's Father's Day, I also want to say happy Father's Day to all of you out there who are fathers, whether you're a biological father, an adoptive father, a stepfather, or or maybe even just a spiritual father. All of those roles, incredible in the life of the people uh, that God has placed uh, for us to care and oversee. And so I just want to say happy Father's Day to every single one of you. If you've got your Bibles this morning or if you've got a device and you want to swipe and open to it, we're going to be in Psalm 127. Psalm 127. And I love this psalm for a variety of reasons, but Psalm 127 is one of what's called the Songs of Ascent. And these were songs that were sung by the the Jewish and Israelite worshipers on their way to the temple, walking to Jerusalem for one of the yearly festivals. And Psalm 127 more specifically is known as a wisdom psalm. And different from some of the other psalms that we read in the book of Psalms, a wisdom psalm has a lot of uh, characteristics of like the book of Proverbs. And what we find here is really two things that happen in wisdom psalms. Wisdom psalms help us see the character of God more clearly. And also wisdom psalms allow us to see the ideals that God has in mind for our life kind of showing us the future of what he hopes will happen in our lives so that we can align our lives to his ideal. Psalm 127 is written also by Solomon. Most people believe Solomon, as you probably know, is the son of King David and considered the wisest man who ever lived. We read about this in 1 Kings chapter 3 when God asked Solomon, what what do you want me to do for you? I'll I'll give you anything. And Solomon's response was, "I, I want wisdom to be able to discern what is good and what is evil what is right and what is wrong and how to follow the Lord more closely. And God granted that to him. But what we see is that Solomon not only was given wisdom, but Solomon got the great privilege of being the one who built the temple of the Lord. David wanted to be the one to build the temple, but because of all of David's sinfulness, God said, this is not something you're going to be able to do, but your son will be able to build the temple. Solomon in his life enjoyed a lot of things, not only wisdom and great wealth and built the kingdom into almost its peak position. But what we read in 1 Kings chapter 11 at the end of Solomon's life, we read that Solomon's heart turned away from the Lord and turned towards false idols. Solomon was married, as we know, to hundreds of different foreign wives and he built them different places for them to worship their gods. And because of that, What we see is the wisest man, even maybe the wealthiest man in all of human history, still struggled to live that out and be faithful to the Lord. And if that's the question, if that's happened, even in Solomon's life, I just for me, I want to take a step back for a moment and ask if this happens to him, what about me? Where does this leave somebody like me? And this is where Psalm 127 comes into play. So when we turn our attention to the text and and we read together, I just want to remind us, we want to be more than simply hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. So here is Psalm 127. Read along with me and we'll pray and we'll jump into the text. Psalm 127 says this, 
unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. God, even now I pray you soften our hearts to your spirit at work in us. Lord, we don't simply want to hear the word and gain information. We want to be doers of the word and see life transformations. Make us more like Jesus today. So thankful. God, even today for the work of Christ on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection, which gives us the hope even today. So attune our hearts, open our ears, Awaken us to the reality that you are at work around us. And Lord, more than anything, may we be challenged to build our life on what matters the most. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. My wife loves building projects. And um, I don't know how to say this delicately. Um, I don't. And so like many other people during quarantine, these were one of those moments where there was a long list of things that we wanted to get accomplished since we were stuck at home. And my wife is incredible in a variety of different things. She, she can sew dresses for our little girls left and right. She inherited that uh, gift and perseverance from her mother. And she's diligent in all that she does. And she's got the most incredible work ethic that I've ever seen. And I'm pretty sure she got that from her dad. When it comes to building projects, though, we don't really see eye to eye on that. And what's happened over the last couple of weeks, my wife decided that what we needed to do was we needed to make some adjustments inside the pantry of our house. We didn't have enough storage space for some of the things that we wanted to, to put into the pantry and some other areas uh, of our house. And so I want to show you just sort of a before and after of what took place. And I want you to see her handiwork. So the before picture is just a very typical wire shelving that we have right there. Now, when she says she wants to add more storage, in my mind, I'm thinking, let's just get some more boxes or let's just get one of those, those little poppy top things that we could put cereal in. That's all I have in mind. But that's not what she had in mind. Many trips to Home Depot later, many different cuts of the boards. This is what the final product looked like. Now, I want to say that we did a great job, but I use that we term very, very, very loosely. The only contribution I really made to this entire beautiful project is I helped screw in some of the screws on some of those brackets. And when you see, we don't even have just wire storage anymore. We have two by fours that were placed together and we, we have these to, to make that shelving there, that, that countertop, and we have these two by 12s. That sounds like I know what I'm talking about. I, I really don't. We have all these magnificent, beautiful looking things. She loves to build and she does a tremendous job. But here's what I notice in all these projects that we do together. I am absolutely, utterly dependent on her direction. 
So much so that, that we have all these power tools in, in the, the, the garage and my little two-year-old screams, it's so wow, daddy. And I've got nothing to offer other than just verbal support. You're doing great, baby. That's all I've got. I'm dependent upon not only her plans, but her ability to work this project out as I'm working along with her. And what I've learned in all the projects that we've done, she's done and I've sort of helped in 12 years of marriage, is it's not that different with my spiritual life with the Lord. Oftentimes, oftentimes I think that I'm contributing to some project that the Lord is doing on my own effort. And that's just not the case. And if I can offer anything for us as we look at Psalm 127 more deeply is for this, for us to consider this reality, unless we depend only and completely upon the Lord, we will build our lives on things that do not matter eternally. This is what I believe Solomon is trying to drive us towards in Psalm 127. And I think we see this in two different ways in Psalm 127. In verse 1 and 2, and then in verse 3, 4, and 5. Look again with me in verse 1 and see what Solomon's trying to communicate about the dependence that we need upon the Lord. In verse 1, this is what Solomon says. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. And here's just one simple truth that I think that Solomon is trying to, to drive home for us. If we want to grow in our dependence upon the Lord so that our lives are built on things that really truly matter, we must begin by recognizing all of our efforts to work and to rest will be pointless if God's not in it. All of our efforts to work and to rest will be pointless if God's not in it. You see this in the first two lines of verse one, unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord watches over the city, those who are building it, build in vain. Those who watch over it, they watch in vain. And this principle that, that Solomon is trying to give our, uh, give our attention to is very simply this. It's not the fact that when he uses the word in vain, that we can't build beautiful things or that we can't work hard and we should just be lazy. It's not even what we see Solomon say in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 2, that vanity, vanity, everything is vanity. No, what I think Solomon is trying to draw our attention to is very simply this. He's trying to point out to us the fact that all of our working and all of our watching, when done in our own effort, will never accomplish what God desires in our life. So we can build a beautiful home. Man, we can work hard and build a, a great career. But the problem is, if what we produce and what we spend our time trying to protect, if those things don't bring glory to God, if those things don't serve the purpose of bringing people to Him, then the truth is, they're meaningless. If our work is not rooted in advancing the kingdom and plan of God, we are in danger of wasting our time on things that ultimately have no eternal purpose. So work that is disconnected from the plans and purposes of God will never prosper. And we fool ourselves if we believe that in our own effort, we can somehow ensure that there's going to be success and meaningful outcomes apart from God. I think Solomon wants us to see the beauty of depending upon the Lord. But we see this throughout Scripture. 
And if you think about it just from the very beginning, God is a God who builds. And God is not just a God who builds, but he's a God who invites his people into the building process. Just think of a few examples for for just a minute. Consider Genesis chapter 1-1, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There was nothing and then God made something. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 and Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, what you have is God formed man. Out of the dust, he breathed life into him. Genesis chapter 2 verse 17, God took a rib out of man and he made woman. Genesis chapter 6, we see that God said to Noah, build this ark as a means of salvation for anybody who will hear the word of God that there is a flood that's going to come. God constantly is building and inviting his people to be a part of building his purpose and his plan. The problem is we also see man trying to do his own thing in his own efforts. If you remember in Genesis chapter 11, the people said this, as they built this giant, giant building and city, they said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Over and over, what scripture continues to show us is that God is a God who builds and invites his people to build with him. But humanity is constantly trying to do it on their own. The next chapter after the Tower of Babel is when God speaks to a man named Abram and tells him, Abram, you're going to have so many descendants and I'm going to build a family from you. Here's a man old in age with a wife who's unable to give birth and yet God is building from nothing a family. And if you remember that continues the descendants of God or the descendants of Abraham, they become a, a great people. And yet they find themselves in Egypt as slaves. And God says, I'm not just going to take slaves and lead them. I'm going to rescue them and I'm going to make them into a nation. And in Exodus chapter 30, uh, 25 through 31, God gives them a plan about building this portable temple. So we call a tabernacle, a tent, a place of worship. And he said, I'm going to dwell with you there and I'm going to give you a place that you can worship me. But you know what happens right in the middle of all of those instructions? The Bible tells us when Moses was gone and went up on the mountain, the people of God, they made a golden calf. And they simply said, this is the God who brought us out of Egypt. Over and over what we see with the people of God and with the plan of God is this. God is building and he invites us to be a part of that building process. And we fail every time when we disconnect our work from the plan and the purpose of God. We fast forward a little bit. Solomon gets to build this great temple in Jerusalem. But what I love is in Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he asks them, who do you say that I am? It was Simon Peter who speaks up and Simon Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus' response to him was very simply this, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven, And I tell you, you are Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Friends, the truth is God is continuing to build. He's building his people. He's continuing to see his kingdom expand. And we are invited into this process. And when we live a life that's disconnected from the plan and the purpose of God, we start to build a life on things that really don't matter. 
What God builds will never fail. What God watches will never fall. And what God gives to us will never fade. So, so what's the solution to this? Is the solution that we just need to like work harder or maybe not work harder? How about we just work smarter? And what we find in verse two is that Solomon said, no, that's the complete opposite of what needs to happen. Listen to what happens. Psalm 127 verse two. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Friends, what Solomon is not suggesting is for us to work harder or even smarter. He's calling us to deeper dependence upon God. And what I love is the reality within our own life is this. The more we move away from self-reliance and we move toward God dependence, we find true rest. This is what verse two says. He gives to his beloved the one he loves, he gives to them sleep. When I think about God providing sleep for those whom he loves, I'm reminded just simply this, rest in and of itself is a gift from God. If you think about it just for a second, sleep is really an act of grace since God is providing what we cannot give to ourselves. But rest isn't just a gift from God. Think about this for a second. Rest is also a gift to God. And watch, sleep is an act of worship. Since what we are doing when we sleep is we are acknowledging that God is the one to whom we are dependent upon. We acknowledge our dependence on someone other than ourselves. C.H. Spurgeon said it this way. He said, sometimes the most spiritual thing that you can do in your day is go to sleep. Now, listen, I got a four-year-old and I got a two-year-old. And sometimes I just want to plaster that across my, my window or my, my office at work or at the house. I just need to take a nap. But it's a reminder that sleep in and of itself is a good gift that God gives to us. And it reminds us all the more for each and every one of us that the more we are able to rest in the purposes of God, the more we are able to work within the plan of God. Friends, this is why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, he said this, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So for us to live a life and to build a life on what truly matters, we must first recognize that all of our efforts to work and to rest will be pointless if God's not in it. But there's a second truth that, that, that we see throughout this passage. A second truth starting in verse three through verse five. Listen to what Solomon says. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. 
Oh, the beauty of verse three and verse, verse five as Solomon shifts from building perhaps a building to building a family. It's the reminder of this, that children are a gift from God. And since God is the author of life, no matter the circumstances, no matter the situation from which those children may arise, all children are a blessing from God because all children are made in the image of God. But I also want to remind us in the same way that rest is a gift from God and rest is a gift to God, children are also a gift to God. You see, the spiritual investment that we make in children becomes the inheritance we leave of God's work through us long after we're gone. I'm fascinated by raising my my little girls. Y'all, I got a four-year-old and a two-year-old. The two-year-old is just a hurricane. And this is how I explain it. Her name's Lydia. And, and, and what Lydia does is, you know, she, she might be somewhat slow moving like a hurricane off the coast, but you know, wherever she eventually lands, there's going to be a line of destruction that's going to happen. And my four-year-old, bless her heart, she has all the hyper-emotionalism that, that comes from her daddy. She's beautiful with curls, just like her mom. But man, man, she, she acts like her dad. And what I find when, when I'm spending time with my girls and I keep going over and over and I consider how children are a gift from God, I'm burdened because I always feel inadequate. And what I think when we read through this passage, one of the truths that Solomon is trying to drive home in order to build a life on what actually matters is this simple truth. All of our efforts to shape and send out our children will be fruitless if God is not at the end of it. And I love what what he says in verse 4. In verse 4, this is what Solomon says. Solomon says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. I just find it interesting that he uses arrows. He could have used anything as a description He doesn't say it's a shovel in the hands of a farmer. He doesn't say it's a spatula in the hands of a chef. He says it is an arrow in the hands of a warrior. Children are an arrow in the hands of a warrior. And the more I started to dwell on this and the more I started to read and consider what it meant for them to be arrows, this truth kept standing out to me. He might be using arrows for this reason because arrows are shaped and then they are sent. And arrows don't fly on their own. They have to be pulled back in a bow and sent off. And at the same time, they're sent by someone who has a trained eye towards an actual target. So arrows aren't like kites where we just send them up and wherever the wind takes them, we're just going to let them go. Instead, we pull them back with an intentional target in mind. My friend George Ross, who has planted several churches and now helps church planners in New Orleans said this, my prayer for his children is that God will use them as swift, penetrative, and offensive weapons to advance the gospel and unleash great damage on the kingdom of darkness. Why would Solomon use a term like arrows in the hand of the warrior? And it's very simply this, in all our efforts to shape our children and eventually send them out, if it's not the gospel that's shaping them, and if it's not the mission of God that's being, that they're being sent to accomplish, everything else 
is fruitless. So let me just speak, parents, specifically to you. Who is it that's shaping your children right now? Because somebody is. And if we're not shaping them with the gospel, where else are they going to get their shaping from? Are we too preoccupied with well-behaved ethical children? Or are we striving to build our children as arrows that can attack the darkness with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Arrows have to be shaped and they have to be sent. Careful, meticulous, intentional shaping. And then specifically intentionally sent out. They can't fly on their own. It comes from someone with a bow. And my question for parents is simply that. Are we preparing our children with a focus and aim to be disciple makers in the world? Are we just hoping that they don't do anything to embarrass us? C.H. Spurgeon said this, to this end, we must have our children in hand while they are yet children. Or they are never likely to be so when they are grown up. And we must try to point them and straighten them so as to make arrows from of them in their youth, lest they should prove crooked and unserviceable in afterlife. So friends, listen to me. If that's specifically for parents, I also want to speak to the rest of us who may not be biological or adoptive parents. Every single one of us have been called by God to be spiritual mothers and fathers to people in our life that he has entrusted to us. And so the question that remains for each and every one of us, what are we doing with the next generation? Are we investing our lives and the lives of the people to come in order for us to penetrate the darkness with the gospel? I'm worried that we have an entire generation of children growing up whose understanding of what's most important in their life, they're being taught that maybe travel, baseball, or sports is more important than the things of God. And before you write me off, I love baseball, and I think all these things can be great things. But the truth of the matter is really simply this. At the end of it all, what does it profit a man to gain the entire world and still lose his soul? So as we shape our children and send them out, or maybe you're a grandparent helping shape and mold your grandchildren, or maybe you're a spiritual father or mother helping shape people that you're discipling. I urge you in light of what we see in Psalm 127 to consider that opportunity a blessing from God and to consider the opportunity that they are arrows to be shaped and pulled back and sent intentionally directed to the target to penetrate the darkness with the gospel. D.L. Moody once said, our greatest fear should not be failure but our greatest fear should be of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. Let me show you my two little arrows that I have at my house. <laughs> so that's Sophia in the back and uh, Sophia will turn four at the end of the month. And that's the little hurricane in the front. That's Lydia. And I love my girls. Oh, they drive me crazy, but I love my girls. I've done more apologizing in my entire life in these last four years because of the numerous times that I feel as though I fail as a father. 
I apologize because I lack patience. I apologize because often I think my two-year-old should be able to put her plate in the sink without spilling anything. Sometimes I have unrealistic expectations for my little girls. And over and over what the Lord is doing is he's driving me to be more dependent upon him. Because the truth is, neither in my work, in building any type of temporary physical thing, and in my home life of building and raising a family, I can't do any of that on my own effort. And neither can you. So I urge you, I urge you to let this passage drive you deeper in dependence upon the Spirit of God working in you to accomplish the will of God in your life. My two little arrows. Here's what we do. I don't want the world shaping them, but I don't want them to not be impactful in the world. So every night we do our best to, to talk about Scripture. We, we try to pray together. I try to lead them through the New City Catechism for kids. And we, we just try to work through some of those doctrinal things so that deep in their heart, the Word of God will be there. I don't know what it all looks like for you, whether you're uh, parenting toddlers like I am. Or maybe you're retired and your kids are grown and you got grandkids or you're a spiritual mentor to somebody. But I want you to be encouraged that for every single one of us, the reality remains that if we want to build a life on things that matter, we must depend only and completely upon the Lord. And to depend only and completely upon the Lord, we need to recognize our efforts to work and rest are pointless without Him in it. And our efforts and our work to shape and to send out our children are fruitless if he's not the goal in the end. The foundation is the gospel. The mission is to make disciples so that the glory of God will be known in the nations. I don't have it all together. And so dad's out there. I just simply want to encourage you. Dive deep in depending on the Lord. Work hard on the things that matter. Give yourself completely, not to the temporary, but to the eternal. And if God has given you the blessing of a child or children, shape their hearts and form them to look more like Jesus. And then with great courage, shoot them out into the world to pierce the darkness with the gospel. And that's my prayer for us, that we will build a life on what matters, not in vanity in our own effort. Two questions I want you to think about as we close. Very simply this, question number one, how does your work life demonstrate a focus on the eternal and not just the temporary? And the second question really is, is similar, but what kind of spiritual investment are you making right now in the lives of those around you? Whether you have children in your home or God's given you people to mentor, what investment are you making in their lives right now? And by the power of the Spirit of God and by the Word of God actively being applied to our lives and living that out, my prayer, my prayer is that all of us with the people God has entrusted to us, we shape and we send out to be disciple makers into the world with the gospel foundation and for the glory of God. 
I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to enter into a time of singing and worshiping a beautiful song of building our life on Christ. And in these moments, I simply just want you to reflect on these questions, reflect on what God has done in your life. And maybe, just maybe ask the Lord, God, deepen my desire to depend on you. Help me not work frivolously on my own efforts, but may me build, may I build something that will rock this world and expand the kingdom of God. Let's pray together. God, you're so good to us. Thank you for loving us. God, I thank you for this word and this encouragement. And I pray, Father, I pray that we will be men and women who are building our lives on things that matter, that we recognize. We recognize that the temporary nature of so much of what we do just won't bring satisfaction and it won't accomplish your purposes. So help us, help us to dig deep in dependence upon you. And may our work and all that we do, our building and our protecting of the things in our life, God, may you be all up in it. And God, may as we shape and we send out people you've entrusted to us with the gospel foundation and the gospel message into a dark world, Father, May we be encouraged and have the courage and the boldness to see the gospel go forward. God, I thank you that you are a good father to our life. I thank you that you are patient when we are impatient. And I thank you that you are faithful when we are oftentimes so unfaithful. And God, may we build our lives on what truly matters for your glory and for our good in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service time, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.